Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 41, entitled, And in the Body Experience, Part 2. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, we are moving on to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the big chapter on, or the first big chapter in 1 Corinthians on the spiritual gifts. So we're going to be spending some time there, a uh, multi-part series here, just because gifts are important, obviously. Uh, they are also quite largely misunderstood and have been a point of contention for the church. In fact, are a point of contention uh, of the church. And so we're going to be um, making sure that we get our feet underneath us in, in, uh, in Corinthians, because Paul is instructing the church and the Spirit is instructing us uh, through Paul's letter. So... So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, let's pray and ask God's Spirit, in fact, to lead us and guide us in this process. God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the sacrifice, the work of Apostle Paul for the Corinthian church. And uh, thank you that uh, you worked with people like them who had a lot of struggles and difficulties. And it's encouraging to us to know that you don't leave us just because we don't have it all together. In fact, you help us to get it all together. And that's why we're studying your word. Because we don't have it all together, uh, but the world needs us to be that way, Lord. We ask that you enable us to assemble uh, these messages, these words in our head, in our hearts, and they would come out of our lives. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be looking at spiritual gifts. I want you to imagine a large jigsaw puzzle. Have you ever worked a jigsaw puzzle? Uh, this one isn't just a thousand pieces, though. This is thousands upon thousands of people pieces in you and I are all going to be working them, uh, working this puzzle together. So there's a couple of things that are true about this puzzle. First of all, no piece is the same. Uh, every piece is a different size, of course, a different shape, a different color. Uh, every piece is necessary to complete the puzzle. We don't have any extra pieces. Uh, you don't get two of the same of this or the same of that. And then also... Uh, no piece can fit exactly where any other piece does. So if we make a piece, we force it to fit, what we're effectively doing is we're at least now displacing two pieces. That piece is where it shouldn't be, and the piece that should be there, of course, it cannot go there. Uh, and this is, I'm giving you this because this is one of the ways, uh, if you will, I want to use as an illustration through this process of us thinking about what the Bible calls the body of Christ and the gifts of the body of Christ. Somehow, I don't know, about you, and maybe you have an easier time of putting it together in your head. But for me, the body, I mean, the only thing I can think of is my physical body. It's already come assembled. Uh, the, the difference between my body, if you will, and the body of Christ is that we're in a constant state of assembling it, putting it together. And so in some ways, calling it a puzzle for me makes it easier, and I hope it does for you. But it gives, it gives us, at least it gives me another way to, to think about it. Of course, a body all has its parts, and they all come together. But, but uh, like I said, the only body I've ever known has ever been assembled, uh, whereas the body of Christ is uh, separate pieces. How do we bring them together? How do we place them in the places where they go? Uh, and, and just like the puzzle pieces, each piece of the body of Christ is different. It's all needed. None are extras. Uh, uh, all have a unique place within the body. Nobody can go where only one body can go, so we can't force uh, a piece into the wrong place. We're at least displacing two at that point. So, so anyway, we're going to be talking about this as we started talking about this in-the-body experience. We looked last time at the in-the-body experience they were having there in Corinth, in the Corinthian church in chapter 11, and the experience they were having wasn't a good one. 
they were having these, um, well, uh, bottom line is they were immature believers. Uh, they were acting out in the flesh a lot, not all of them, but a lot of them were. Uh, thus, the reason why there was divisions and all kinds of other issues within the church, and of course, the reason why Paul writes these two letters to them. But one of the, one of the places where their, their immaturity was most evident was in the, their coming together to observe the Lord's Supper. Of all the places you would think where we could be unified, where, where we could have communion, was at communion, but boy, they were not having communion. One was not waiting for the other. Some were eating too much. Some were getting drunk. Uh, others were being left out. I mean, it was just really an opportunity for the flesh to unfortunately demonstrate itself. So it wasn't the Lord's Supper they were observing. So, so last time I saw, we saw that the kind of diseases, if you will, that can harm the body of Christ, living in the flesh, of course, and being immature, uh, being prideful, being arrogant, looking, for, looking out for yourself instead of for others, all these other things we discussed last time. This week we're going to be considering, in the weeks to come, the things that each can do, each one of us, to make the body better. That's the real goal. I don't want to bring disaster to the body. I want to bring disease to the body. I'm capable of it. So are you. We need to be very careful of that. We want to bring betterment to the body. We want to bring health to the body. And, and here's a point I want to make very clear at the very, from the very beginning. Simply put, God has so gifted the body of Christ that each part, each member, me and you, our best contribution to the body is ourself. Actually, yeah. Apply yourself. That's more than showing up on Sunday mornings. Sorry. That's not applying yourself. That's just receiving. And there's, there's a time to receive, and I understand that. But, but it comes, there comes a time where the body needs you to fit. We've got a place for you. And, and you're responsible, and so are we, to find that place together for you. So, so, so we need you, and you need us, and we need each other. We need to fit together. And it begs the question, by the way, it brings up this whole issue of all that's been happening for the past two, two years or more, more than two years with COVID and everything has separated us. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of people that are just simply doing church at home. And, uh, and I understand that. And, and don't read into this what I'm about to say as you need to quit be, doing that and get to church necessarily. I mean, some people have true legitimate concerns and they cannot come. They just simply cannot. And it's a question of life and death. And I understand that. So please don't think I'm telling you to come here, and in fact, if you are, to come here and risk your life. I'm not saying that. But if you're just not coming, because you're just not coming, and you got used to that, hear me carefully on this, we cannot function as a body if you continue to do that. You will not benefit from the body if you continue to do that. What you're receiving right now is a gift. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, right? This is a gift that's coming through me by the, by the grace of God. He's given me the ability to teach. I'm teaching you from the Scriptures. Okay, so you are benefiting from that, you are, but that's only one gift. The body is many pieces, and it's not just the pieces that fit together to make you better, it's the piece that you bring to make us better. So you're not just hurting yourself by not being here, you're, you're hurting us. If you can be here, again, that's for you to decide, you should be here, and you know, I know people listen to me that are part of our church. And so wherever that place you should be, you should be a part of that local body so that the ministry of the body can be all that it's supposed to get, be. Again, think of a puzzle. How can we have a full picture if not all the pieces are there? Ah, we got to have you there. Got to have you. Spiritual gifts have been the subject of confusion for a long time. 
And so let's listen to what Paul has to say, straight talk, if you will, about these gifts that we have here. Look at, we're in chapter 12. Look at verse 1. He just starts out, and there's some things to unpack here, and we're going to be doing that, and we're going to be getting into more details in later studies. But we've got to unpack these so we've got a foundation underneath us so we can build from there. So now concerning the spiritual gifts, Paul says, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So he's trying to teach them, like I said, and through them by the Spirit, teaching us. The word gifts in my translation, the American translation, the American standard, the word gifts is in italics. If it, you had a new American, um, maybe New King James, I think also NIV, also have the word gifts in italics. The reason why it's in italics is it's not in the original Greek. Actually, the way the sentence reads in the Greek is, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So they've added the word gifts in there because it, 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 they're trying to add, your translators are trying to add clarity. I'm not knocking them for their decision, at least fully. Some ways I am. Because the context actually determines what's happening here. And so some ways to add the word gifts sort of leads us away from the context. But the context isn't just speaking about spiritual gifts. The, the context is speaking actually in general about spiritual things, just in general. Paul's trying to give discerning direction uh, about spiritual things because not all things that are spiritual, listen, are good. So one of the issues we have with spiritual gifts is that we're enamored with the supernatural, we're enamored with the unexplainable, and if that, if that is true, listen, you're going to be duped. Because there is a true spiritual force behind things that are not from God. So, right, the devil is a spirit. So are the demons. So if you're just going to be enamored by the supernatural and the unexplained things, you're going to eventually fall into a trap. So Paul is trying to give some discernment here about spiritual things in general. Not just spiritual gifts. He's going to be branching off into that really quick here. But to begin with here in the chapter, the context is spiritual things and so just think about along those lines and, and, and it makes it clear because look at verse two you know that when you were pagans you were led astray by dumb idols however you were led there's a true spiritual power in paganism but it's not good it's not in paganism listen this may shock you in paganism there was and is speaking in tongues so i thought only god spoke in tongues the spirit of god no Certainly not. Is it not true that demons deceive in all languages? Huh? So it shouldn't shock you that demons can enable someone to speak in tongues. So just because someone's speaking in tongues does not mean they're from God. Do not be enamored by spiritual gifts. In fact, let me say this to you. Do not be enamored at all by spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are just that. And we're going to see they're, they're kind of cut and dry and they're, they're relatively simple. We've made them into all kinds of stuff. Here's the thing that should blow you away. When you see someone surrendered to the Spirit of God so that they produce the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. I forgot one in there, but you, you follow me there. Galatians uh, chapter 5 where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you should be blown away by someone who produces the fruit of the Spirit because that only the Spirit of God can do. Other spirits can produce gifts i say that in broad terms a lot of them are fakers but but still if 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 they fake you out i mean what's the difference whether it's real or not they faked you out and you're a believer now into something that isn't of god so don't be enamored by spiritual things if you really want to show where the spirit is in control you won't see it in the gifts necessarily as much as nearly as much as you see it you saw it show me somebody who surrendered to the spirit of god 
They demonstrate that by the fruit of the Spirit that's coming out of their lives. I will say this. Whatever gift they have, you can trust. Because they have the fruit of the Spirit. Just because someone has a gift doesn't necessarily mean they're from God. So pagan, you were led astray by pagans. Why? Because there's real spiritual power there. It really is. I mean, they speak in tongues. Uh, they prophesy. Uh, they work seemingly miracles, uh, seeming healings, other things. So, but they're not from God. That was and is true of paganism today. So let's just take that as a grain of salt. Verse 3. But I want you to understand... Here's, he started off that way. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm, chapter 11. Let's go to chapter 12. Therefore, I make known to you. So I, he said, first of all, I don't want you to be unaware. So I make, in verse 1, and then verse 3, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking about the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So this is a test that he's given about who is and who really is not for Jesus. And just saying the words is not the test. Obviously, I just said both, both, both sentences, both phrases. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is accursed. So just saying the words is not the issue. It's not like magic dust, you know, some kind of spiritual form, I don't know, uh, incantation or whatever. No, this is not, not that. It's not saying the words as much as it is believing the words from the heart. That's what he's talking about here. The issue is the lordship of Jesus Christ. So, so that's the test. Is Jesus Lord? That's the test. How do we know between the, the gifts of the pagans, if you will, and the gifts of the body of Christ? Jesus is Lord is the dividing factor, the determining factor. So, so the fact that those who are involved in spiritual things can appear similar, like I said, some, both sides speak in tongues, both sides prophesy, both sides seem to work miracles. The dividing place comes when you get to Jesus. That's where we part ways. The issue, again, understand, is the lordship of Jesus. It's not the Judeo-Christian tr tradition. We've got a lot of those in different religions. Uh, the ethics of the scriptures, of the moral law of the Bible, the issue is Jesus. Tell me where you stand with Jesus, and I will tell you where you stand. Who is Jesus? To a congregation, to a group, to a member, or whatever. And that will tell you who the person really is. The issue is not, again, Jesus the miracle worker or the teacher or the example. It is Jesus as Lord and Master. Is the cross important? Absolutely. We come to the cross because that's the place we learn about our need for salvation and we receive forgiveness of our sins. But we don't stay at the cross because that's not where Jesus is. It's not on the cross. The empty tomb is important. Oh, absolutely. We're getting closer, but listen... Jesus isn't there either. In fact, that's the whole point of the theology, that Jesus is now the living Christ. Let me just say this, because I wrote it down this way. I want to say it very clearly. The central truth of Christianity is the living Christ. Lord of all. Lord of all. That is the central truth of Christianity. That Jesus, God's Son, became a man. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he resurrected. But he is living today living and interceding for us and sending his spirit to dwell in us to enable us that's what the gifts are enabling to accomplish the mission that he has called us and enabled us to do so so the the central truth of christianity is the living christ lord of all remember the question that jesus asked his disciples who do you say that i am he's still asking that question like i said there's a lot of people that have jesus on their lips 
Like Paul says, the dividing factor is Jesus, Lord, or is he something else? That's the division here. That's where things turn north or south. So it's to the group, understand, that claims Jesus as Lord, that Paul begins to explain the differences they have in that body and how they function. So we've read verse 3. Let's keep reading here, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now here, now we finally broke off from just talking about spiritual things in general. Now we're talking specifically about uh, the spiritual gifts, which is the majority, or the, represents the majority of what's going on in this chapter. Chapter. The word gift here is the word charismata, where we get the word charismatic from in the in Greek language, and, or charisma from. Gift is Greek, in Greek, charismata. It has the root word charis in it, which literally means grace. In other words, these gifts are gifts of grace. In the same way that you cannot take credit for your salvation because it's God being gracious to you. In, in fact, God did the opposite of what you deserve. Your sins deserved hell. Your sins deserve judgment. Your sins deserve eternal death. And God, by having mercy on you, gave grace to you. Grace is getting something you didn't deserve, you didn't earn. So that's your salvation. You can't take credit for salvation. Neither can you take credit, listen, for the gifts. They're grace gifts. God just gives them as he so chooses. You didn't earn them. They're, listen to me very, very carefully. They're not to your credit at all. See, a lot of times we live in a culture where the gifted people we exalt. And that's the last thing you should be doing with these gifts. It says nothing about who that person is. It says everything about the kind God who has given them the gift to bless you with, not to bless themselves. So number one, we exalt a person because they have a gift. Number two, they exalt themselves to look how gifted I am. That is what's going on in the Corinthian church. That's why they were messed up. That's called acting in the flesh, arrogantly, pridefully, without humility. Woo! Talk about cause problems and talk about a place where the gifts will not function. Again, the fruit of the Spirit is what you need to be looking for, not the gifts. The gifts will naturally function when someone is surrendered to the Spirit of God. Again, show me someone who's surrendered to the Spirit of God, and that person will naturally function in the gift that God has given to them and function well. They will. So these are grace gifts. Cannot take credit for them, not any more than we take credit for the salvation that God has brought to our lives. Technically, again, these gifts, every one of them, are called charismata. Every one of them is a charismatic gift. I say that very carefully because we have in our culture today a lot of false teaching about the gifts. And one of them is to say there are some gifts that are charismatic gifts. Of course, they're referring to speaking in tongues or some kind of prophetic utterance or, or something like that. And uh, that is false teaching. Now, is speaking in tongues a charismata? Absolutely. Is prophecy a charismata? Absolutely. Is, te is teaching, is service, is, is encouragement or whatever? Are those all charismata? Yes, they are. None, none more than any the other ones. They're all grace gifts. They're all grace gifts. So understand, is speaking in tongues a charismatic gift? Yes. Is Unplugging a toilet on Sunday morning before everybody gets here, here in church, a charismatic gift because you have the gift of service. And, and that gift drives you to serve the body to make sure that they have a pleasant experience here when, when we come together as a congregation. Is that a charismatic gift? Yes! One is just as charismatic as the other. 
So we've ranked them. And again, this is all our fleshly stuff. This whole ranking and exalting and thinking one is more important than another is exactly the problems that are happening and why Paul's having to address them here in 1 Corinthians 12. Don't do that. That's the whole reason why he writes this. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Diversity. Diversity. So that's what's happening here. Diversity is inherent within the body just as the same as the puzzle pieces will each have their unique characteristics. The varieties of gifts, it says there in, uh, in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Diversity of the body, the varieties of gifts. One gift just is, is one is, is, is a gift just like the next, even though uh, they all, some seem more spiritual than others. And let me just say this also, since I'm adding a lot of commentary in here. Uh, each gift is a gift to the body before it is ever a gift to you. Let me explain that. So every person in the body of Christ, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and the Spirit comes to dwell in you permanently, not part of God, all of God, He, in His sovereignty, out of grace, chooses to give you a particular gift. That gift is your special calling. Now, that gift is not directly beneficial to you. Okay, I got a gift of teaching, but I don't teach. Does that benefit me? No. My, my gift of teaching only benefits me when I give it away. So it actually directly benefits someone else and, and indirectly benefits me. You follow me? So actually a gift is a responsibility. It's an obligation not to anybody, not to, not, not to myself, but to the body. So oh, what good is a gift if I don't give it away? It's, it's for me to give away. It's not for me to keep. Oh, I have a gift. It's like on you know, Christmas morning. I have a gift. It's got my name on it. I don't know. That means, what does that mean? I get to use it. It's all mine, and nobody can have it but me. That's the opposite of the spiritual gift. The spiritual gift is a gift under the tree, which has my title on it, but is actually to be given to everyone else. It's very different. It's very different. Our thinking needs to change. Again, we think selfishly. We think fleshly and we need to stop that. So stop it. There, I fixed you. You're done. Each gift is a gift to the body before it is ever a gift to a person. A gift can only benefit a person who possesses it in a secondary fashion. So let me give you a definition. Here's a short one of what a spiritual gift is. Great definition. A gift is a capacity for service for the body's benefit. It's a capacity. It's an enabling. It's a... It's a, a uh, um, an ability given by the Spirit for you to help everybody else. Not to help yourself. To help everybody. Will it help you? Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll feel fulfilled. Trust me, I know. You'll feel blessed. You'll feel useful. But you'll only be useful and blessed as you are using the, you're finding yourself a blessing to everyone else. Again, it's not directly for you. It's directly for everyone else. A gift is a capacity for service for the body's benefit, not for yours. Got to get our head on straight. Verse 5. So varieties of gifts, right? There are varieties of gifts. Notice verse 5. And there are varieties of ministries. So there's, these are, these are uh, breakdown in, 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 a, in a fashion, uh, in a broad fashion. So let's say there's not a complete list in the New Testament anywhere 
that says this is a complete list of all the gifts. There's different lists given in a couple of different places in the New Testament. We're going to be going over those in the next couple of weeks, and I would encourage you to be, in part, uh, be here and be a part of that. But, but there's, let's say, let's say just, for, just for the sake of argument, there's only 15 gifts, which is, I don't think is true. But let's say there's only 15. But each one of those gifts will be different depending on who possesses it. So if I have four people in front of me, each with the gift of teaching, that gift of teaching will look different in each one of those people. Why? Because they're all unique. And God created in His image. He's made us all special. I'm an identical twin. But I'm not just like my brother. Genetically, we're, we're identical. But our gifts and our callings are not the same. They're not the same. He's a different person than I am. He has different experiences. He has a different background to a certain degree. He has uh, diff different things that are happening to him. He doesn't live in South Texas, for one. I mean, all these things make his gifts, what God's called him to do, just that much different. So I got four people with the same gift, and the way they work those gifts, or the way I should say God works those gifts through them, because he created each one of those people with their own experiences, their own knowledge. The, the way he works through them is going to be unique every single time. You cannot put these gifts in a box. Every gift, there is a variety of ways that they can be used. Every gift's application comes through the unique personality and experiences upon whom that gift, upon the person upon whom that gift has been given. For instance, the gift of teaching, back to what I said before. can be that they preach. That's what I do. More than anything else, my gift of teaching comes through that. can be, gift of teaching doesn't always have to look like that. can be that they do nothing but write. Maybe they do nothing uh, verbally. Maybe they write curriculum. A lot of gifted teachers who just simply write curriculum. We're so blessed. So rest. They, they, they write books. They, maybe, maybe they're not a preacher. Maybe they just teach a class. Maybe it's just children. Can, they be, can it be the gift of teaching that they just teach children? How incredibly important it is that we teach our kids? That they have good teaching. That they have gifted teaching. See, see God gifts us. So, so we have this whole idea of gift of teaching has to be some kind of upfront up front person. No. No, no. There's a variety of gifts and a variety of ways that they work out. Ministries, as he says here in verse 5. Such a variety of ways. Uh, another, another gift, the gift of mercy. Uh, that person could be a counselor. Another person with the same gift could be a teacher. Another person with the same gift can be some kind of worker of social issues like orphanages. So many orphanages started by and ran by people with the gift of mercy. Uh, halfway houses, hospitals, people uh, situations and organizations that apply mercy to the life of people could be huge. The gift of mercy could be massive, uh, the, the, the effect. Or it could be if something as small, a person with the gift of mercy just simply seeing you in church on Sunday and sensing your need because they have a gift. We need them. We need them working because we all need mercy. And God's working through them, through those gifts. So verse 6, that's verse 5. Verse 6. So a variety of gifts, a variety of ministries, because every person is different. Verse 6. And there are varieties. Notice we've added three different varieties. So a variety of gifts, if there's only 15, there's more than that, I believe. And then a variety of people. How, how many different people do we have? Infinite, almost. There's an infinite number of ways that these can work out. And then another variety. And there are a variety of effects. So, uh, but the same God who works in all of them. So, so... Well, let's say I have two people with the gift of teaching here, and they both are upfront teachers like myself. Well, they have the same effects. No. Let's, let's consider another, another gift, the gift of evangelism. Billy Graham, famous, right, for his evangelism. The gift of evangelism, no question on that man. Does that mean if I had the gift of evangelism that, that my results have to look just like his? 
No. No. He was an upfront preacher that saved, saw thousands and thousands of people saved that get to evangelism. Can it look like that? Yes. Can it look like someone who's just door to door witnessing somebody, handing out tracts? Yes. See, so see a variety of gifts through a variety of people, which means a variety of ministries and a variety of results. Some 10,000, some one on one, some. So, so we can't, again, what Paul is saying is don't try to put these into a box and say you have to look like this. That's. Like saying, I got a thousand-piece puzzle, but they're just um, cookie-cutter pieces. There's only 15 pieces. Everything else is cookie-cutter. No. Every piece is unique. Every piece is special. Every piece has its place. No single piece is like any other piece, and no one can fit in the place where they fit. That's the beauty of the gifts of the body of Christ. So, again, to review, many different gifts many different people with them, many different ways they can be used, and many different results. But the bottom line is, it is the same God, the same Spirit who gives them all. So just because my gift doesn't look like your gift doesn't mean I'm any less or any more gifted by the Spirit than you are. Okay, That's what's happening. Again, we try to rank people based upon their effectiveness because, oh, Billy Graham's way more important than the little guy out here going door-to-door witnessing. Who said that? Well, God didn't. Billy Graham had his place in the body. You have your place in the body. No one can be in your place but you. But the most important thing you can do for the church is to give it yourself. Apply yourself. That's the best thing you can do. Verse 7. Each one, again. God gives each one. Verse 7. But each one, we're going to stop with verse 7. But each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I want you to notice carefully, in case this, this has become issues also, each one. And I want to underline that. So each one. So each one. Every Christian? Yeah. No exceptions. No exceptions. If you've been brought into the body of Christ by the grace of God, you have, by the grace of God, been given a gift. Each Not a broad generality, but very specifically. Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. It's very real sense. A believer without a ministry, listen, is a contradiction in terms. That gift is your ministry. That gift is your call. That gift is your place that no one else can fill in the body of Christ. One of the challenges for myself and Pastor Greg is we see our congregation, and we don't have thousands of people, of course, is as we look at the people and their uniqueness and, and as people come to our church, what, what is God saying to us about that person and their giftedness? Because that giftedness is a ministry. How do they fit? And one of our responsibilities as shepherds is to make sure that the flock fits together, that the sheep are in the places where they should be serving. And obviously the Spirit oversees all that, but but uh, you know he works through us because we're we're overseers in that, so so it's it's important that we that we grasp that in a very real sense. Again, every ministry, every gift is a ministry. And again, if our hearts are to follow Jesus and surrender to Him, we will be serving in our gifted area. Again, some people say, "Well, what is, what are my gifts? I don't even think I have a gift." No, you do have a gift. You do, but but the, but the the key isn't searching for the gift. The key is surrendering to Christ. 
So if I surrender to Christ and I allow His, His fruit of the Spirit to flow through me, I will almost automatically be serving in my gifts. It'll just happen. We're going to be talking more about that and how to know what your gifts are the next time we're together. But have you ever tried to work a puzzle without all the pieces? Yeah. You pull out an old puzzle. I want to work that puzzle. Can, can you ever... Uh, uh, so, so if you're missing five or ten pieces, can you still see the picture? Yeah. But it's never complete. It's never all there. I mean, you can see in general what's going on, and that's what we have happening in churches. Or is everybody applying themselves? No, they're not. So is the picture still being put out there? Yes. But it's not the full picture. It's not the picture that God designed. It's not the picture that God gifted for each individual piece to fit into their places. We've all come together, as it says here in verse 7, for the common good. Your gift is your ministry to the body. What God has gifted you to do, he's called you to do. Your gift is your obligation to the body. You're obligated. You're in debt. Your gift is a a debt to the body. If I don't bring my gift to the body, the body's going to be lacking in the area of my gift. You follow it? I don't do, let's say, I just get sick of preaching. I'm not going to do that anymore. I hurt the body. I hurt the body. I can't do that. I'm responsible. And that gift is my responsibility. It's my obligation. Your gift does not directly, again, benefit you. It's for, it's for you to give away. It's not the gift under the, pre, under, the, under the tree for you. It's gift under the present for you to give. I have a gift to give. Here. That's the way we need to think. Again, our focus isn't the gifts. Our focus is surrender to the Spirit. Take up your cross daily, Jesus says. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. As we do that, we'll function together in our gifts. Thanks for your time. Let's pray together and we'll be done. God, I thank you that you've given us these spiritual gifts. I pray, God, you'd help us to rid ourselves or if you would rid us, please, of these misconceptions that we have, these false teachings that are going around in our world today and these false assumptions that we've had uh, that have been floating around in our heads. And God, help us to, to hear again what you have to say. Help us to look at ourselves, God, and not to worry about the gifts because those are something you've given by your sovereign grace. Instead, to concern ourselves with surrender completely to you. Lord, we want to be surrendered to you today. We want you to be Lord. That's the living Christ. That's that's the issue of Christianity, the the living Christ. That's where everything changes. Not some Jesus that some religion names, but the living Christ, resurrected from the dead, Savior of the world, forgiving our sins and enabling us as a church, enabling his church body to fit together just like a body, just like a puzzle, so that we can produce an image to the world, testimony of who you are. Thank you, God, for that great privilege that we have. Help us to take it up uh, and uh, fill the obligation and responsibility of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.